The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Another parable Jesus put before the crowds. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told him another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of the household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. The Gospel of the Lord. And in this, he showed me something small, no bigger than a hazelnut, lying in the palm of my hand, as it seemed to me, and it was as round as a ball. I looked at it with the eye of my understanding and thought, what can this be? I was amazed that it could last, for I thought that because of its littleness, it would suddenly have fallen into nothing. And I was answered in my understanding. It lasts and always will because God loves it, and thus everything has being through the love of God. These, of course, are the words of Julian of Norwich, the 14th century mystic and theologian. Her revelation of divine love was a tiny hazelnut. The gospel writer's revelation was that of a mustard seed. Whatever it was, it was very tiny. Our God is a God of small things. In the world in which we live, we don't think small. Bigger is always better. More is always the thing to strive for. Power is always better than weakness. Nice guys finish last. Mercy means being taken advantage. Surely the kingdom of God is somewhere down the road because it couldn't possibly be what we are experiencing now. And yet, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Jesus always reminds us that we find God in the unexpected, in the small things, in the here and now, in the hazelnut held in the palm of a hand. Many years ago, my husband and I bought our first house. I was pregnant at the time and anxious to get moved in and settled before I got too big to move. 
It was a sweet little neighborhood on a one-block street, and many of our elderly neighbors were the original owners. And you could see the pride of ownership everywhere with neatly manicured lawns and lovingly tended flower beds. Except, that is, for the house right next to ours. The lawn was dry and scraggly. The paint on the house was peeling. The father was a cachectic-looking man who hurried in and out, always puffing on a cigarette. Heavy metal music was always blaring out the upstairs window. And we would see the teenage son lumbering in and out of the house, never making eye contact. We called him the heavy metal meathead. I think I've gotten a lot nicer since then. I hope. But one day, after I had started my maternity leave and was on the cusp of the diagnosis of preeclampsia, I went grocery shopping. I was huge and miserable, my hands so swollen I could wear neither wedding ring nor wristwatch, and I hadn't seen my ankles in months. So I get home with my trunk full of groceries, and the heavy metal meathead and two of his friends were lounging on the front porch of their house, looking quiet and sullen, as usual. And I started to carry some bags up the walk, and the three of them, without a word, walked over and took the bags from my arms and gathered the rest out of the trunk and carried them into the house. They didn't say much. I said, thank you. And they said, no problem. <laughs> and went back to their porch. Perception can change in an instant. Jesus is always calling us to look again. This isn't how you think it is. Thirty-some-odd years down the road, I still remember that young man and his friends. I still have not rid myself totally of my preconceptions and judgments that blind me to the reality right before my eyes, but I still remember that one day when I saw God at work in the simple action of a boy and his friends. How many times have you become aware that what you thought you saw and what you thought you knew was false? That day with my groceries, I thought I had that family and that kid all figured out, all neatly categorized and subsequently dismissed. But he and his friends offered me a kindness and showed me that they were aware enough to know that a bloated woman who was great with child needed some help with her groceries. I still didn't like his choice of music, but there was now a tender place in my heart for him where before there had been only judgment. I belong to a discipleship group with a group of people from St. Paul's Episcopal Church in San Rafael. And their rector, Christopher Martin, is a prime mover in the discipleship movement, and he's starting groups all over the country. And I think St. Paul's has seven groups going now. And my group has been together for almost a year. We started with five members, but one has moved away. And we meet every Saturday morning for an hour. We start in silence and then review the commitments that we make to one another. There are seven vows, very simple, really. Vows to pray, worship, serve the poor for an hour a week, be good stewards of our money, study our scriptures, listen for God's call to us, and commit for this season of our lives to our discipleship group. 
We check in on how we're doing with our vows. And if one of us is struggling to hear what we are being called to do in relationship to these things, we support one another. It kind of reminds me of a Quaker Clearness Committee, if you're familiar with those. We support one another by listening to one another and offering questions or reflections on what the other has said. And as a group, we couldn't be more different. And I have to laugh that we find ourselves together in this endeavor, but we're very committed to one another. Not unlike our little parish here. Who would have thought that this disparate little group <laughs> would, would find ourselves working together to support one another in our faith journey? But back to my little group. What we say in our group is always held in confidence, but generally speaking, it has quickly become apparent that none of us is going to shake up the world with our world-changing ministries. We aren't going to end the homelessness problem or achieve world peace. But each week, we reflect on the little things that we have done. Invariably, one of us will apologize for not doing more. But more and more, we recognize and hold in appreciation the things that we would never have called ministry, that each, in their own way, has been an expression of love. A mustard seed, a hazelnut, a visit to a grieving friend, support for a struggling granddaughter, a carrying in of groceries. We can get so lost in striving to do the big things that we don't see the cumulative small things that people do every day. The small thing that has big impact down the road. Or maybe just impact in that moment. The small thing done regardless of outcome or impact. If we think the kingdom of God is some future utopia, we miss the kingdom of God that is right here, right now. We miss the mustard seed sprouting and growing beneath the surface, the treasure buried in the field. One of my favorite religious writers is Verna Dozier. I think you've heard me speak of her before. She died in 2006. She was an African-American, raised Baptist, but found her way into the Episcopal Church. She lived and taught in Washington, D.C. And I would have loved to have met her because she just seems so down-to-earth with no patience for any fancy baloney. She was also a fierce advocate for lay ministry, for the laity to reclaim their authority in the church as the people of God. She would say, we don't need another church program. And she put the clergy very firmly in their places as facilitators in congregational life but not the holders of special spirituality or knowledge of God. And at one point she said this, I believe the sacred space is where the institutionally ordained reside. I believe it is also where mothers tend their children, teachers guide their students, doctors care for their patients, police officers patrol the streets, executives make decisions, Laborers ply their trades, laity everywhere doing the work that they are called to do. The ground on which we stand is holy ground. God is where we are. What space could be more sacred 
than where God is. As long as we, intentionally or unintentionally, believe and therefore act out that we have to go somewhere special to meet God or do something special to be close to God, lay people will see themselves as second-class citizens in the household of faith and the work they do as second-class activity. They will not perceive themselves as called. The sacred space the clergy provide is to give lay people the opportunity to celebrate together the God we have met in the sacred places of our homes and offices and communities, to confess our failure to identify what God has made sacred, to be renewed so that we know all our life is holy. End quote. The kingdom of God is the ground we walk on. The kingdom of God is a human life suffused with the power of God to love our neighbor as ourselves. The kingdom of God is the people of God living in the footsteps of Jesus, traveling the way with him, carrying little and loving much, sitting down with sinners and tax collectors, being present to them in the ordinariness of their everyday, honoring the presence of God in the other. The kingdom of God is asking, what would Jesus do when we meet the beggar in the street, when we see our neighbor without health care, when we hear the refugee at our borders, when we see the drugs ravaging our neighborhoods, when we see the pregnant woman struggling with her grocery bag? Our God is the God of small things, the choices made in every moment of our lives that, taken alone, seem small. Taken together is the holy work of the kingdom of God. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.